I love the world of Harry Potter. It's just that J.K. Rowling is a shit writer. Like, she just... It's, it's just... Uh, yeah, her writing but... style is very is very heavy-handed. Um, and, and certainly in yeah, it her more leave recent a lot years... Interpret about it. Yes, it, but but in her more recent years, her idea of representation has become kind of tokenism and kind of, you know, if if she did have all that in mind, like Dumbledore's gay, Nagini's uh, a Korean woman, um, <laughs> Snape is the a single snake. mother. Um, yeah, the snake is a Korean woman, by the way. That's <laughs> canon, apparently, according to J.K. Rowling. That that was in like I, that, the worst that part of this is of I have no idea if you're joking or not. No, no, I'm not joking. That's the thing. In the um, I think it was in the second um Fantastic Beasts movie. Yeah. Um, Nagini was like a a wizard circus performer or whatever, and she was in like a wizard circus, and her deal was she just became a big snake, which doesn't make sense in world because. People change into animals like all the time. It's nothing very back. special. It's not. It's not anamorphs where like yeah. you stay as an animal for too long, and you get stuck <laughs> as it. <laughs> I think. I think she just like lost her humanity or whatever. But she went by her real name, which is Nagini, which Voldemort wouldn't have which... any any way of knowing that her name was Nagini. Also, that doesn't really sound like a Korean name either. I don't know. It sounds vaguely fucking Asian, but like, but someone asked, someone asked, um, someone asked J.K. Rowling, uh, how long, how long were you, uh, were you keeping this, this secret? And she goes, oh, just 20 years. Like, no, no, the fuck you weren't. You no, would have mentioned it in no. your own books before getting a, the sequel to a spinoff. You lying I liked, fuck. I liked the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them book. Because it was like I I've never read it. It was it was nothing like there wasn't a plot. Oh, it was, it was like just a, like describing. It was, a it was like a compendium of 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 magical creatures. See, that's the kind of shit I like. That's good. I'm, that's good world building. Yeah, if um, just don't go like overboard like George R R Martin and like. Oh, I thought you were gonna say J R R Tolkien. J R R Tolkien and and die. George R R Tolkien. Um, Jolkin, Rolkin, Rolkin, Tolkien, <laughs> and George Rartin, Rartin, Martin. <laughs> oh fuck! Should we start the show? Uh, yeah. Welcome to Alchemy Hour, a show hosted by one smart idiot. And one dumb genius. I'm Violet Rose. And I am Nolan Miles. We take one topic each episode and then forget half of it. And then we deliver the half that we think we know to you, the listeners. We guarantee nothing. Absolutely nothing. Let's start this shit. So, last time on Dragon Ball Z, uh, on our... On our possibly going to be unaired pilot... Um, I think I'm still going to air it. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So, last so time, last, last we, time, yeah. we recorded a pilot, um, mm-hmm. and, and then after I had finished editing that pilot, uh, 
I came up with a better idea, which is that we research our topics, which are whatever we want. Doesn't have to be history. Um, yeah. Because neither of us are historians. I'm a chemistry major, and Nolan just graduated with a theater degree. Yeah. Um, so I have a degree in waiting tables. <laughs> um, so I came up with a better idea, which was yep. that neither of us look at our notes on the topic that we researched. And my topic today is uh, one of, if not my favorite people in all of theater history, uh, Bertolt Brecht. Now, I went uh, old a step... B. Yeah, good old Bert. Uh, I, I went uh, a step above, and uh, so I gave a PowerPoint presentation on one thing that, uh, that Brecht wrote back in April. And since then, I have not looked at anything Bertolt Brecht related. <laughs> so let's fucking do this. Hell yeah. All right. So Did where you slam uh, your table? Yes. Come through on the mic. Good. Oh man. I want it to. I want this to be as dramatic as possible. Now, uh, where? Tell me. Tell me about Bertolt Brecht. I mean, where should I start? Um, he looked like a foot first off. He. So he wasn't... some people might find him sexy, but most wouldn't. I mean, if you're into ugly men, I guess you'd find him sexy. I was making a joke about people with foot fetishes. Oh, okay, okay. That that went way over my head and under my feet. Okay. <laughs> So, Bertolt Brecht, um, I guess I'll start with his look and his kind of aesthetic. They said he looked like both a blue-collar and a white-collar worker at the same time. Like, nothing about him seemed to match. Like, he had—he wore, like, a leather jacket, so, you know, okay. daddy, right? So far, so good. Um, he wore wire rim glasses. Okay. Like round, like round ass glasses, like my glasses. Like, okay. His hair was like short and cropped, like military style, but it was kind of like down, kind of like, uh, like Toby from the office. This sounds like you're describing a mullet. No, no, it it wasn't a mullet. Was it business in the front, party in the back? It was, uh... God, it was just business in the front, and, like, I, I haven't seen pictures of the back of his head, because <laughs> not a lot of people take pictures of the back of famous people's heads. Uh, business in the front, business casual in the back. I'd, I'd say so, yes. Okay. Um, but it, it wasn't a good hairstyle. Um, it just, it, nothing about him looked that great. Uh, he had, like... I think I remember having him, like, kind of a, a thick jaw. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, his, his favorite color, uh, just just take a fucking guess as to what this man's favorite color was. Um, brown. Very close. It's just as boring. Gray. Oh, man. How? He, gray, gray was as fucking aesthetic. 
he uh in his later years i think he wore like all gray uh he had gray shoes he had he he wrote letters on gray stationery with gray ink i'd imagine yeah but even his fucking sports car was gray Oh, I didn't man. even know you when could get he... a sports car. When, yeah, when like, when was gray. this guy around? He was... Uh, that's an excellent question, actually. Uh, he was around. Because I was he imagining, was... like, like a, a while ago. Like, I don't know, oh, 100 it was... years it was... ago, but... It's getting up there. Uh, he wrote his plays. Um, most of his famous work was during, like the 30s uh and okay. maybe the late 20s okay um but he he kept he kept on working uh after like those works uh he, he's very interesting uh because with a name like Bertolt Brecht you'd imagine German yeah he was uh Austrian no he he was he was German oh okay um, he was born and raised I believe in Germany um and he was very, very anti-war. Uh, he was he was a communist essentially. Oh, he that, he was that definitely went well for him about forty years later. Exactly, he was he was a full-on like Marxist. He his writing style, uh, which I'm gonna get to later, just it was basically just like, how about we just like shit on the bourgeoisie and like just make it an entire like joke out of them um and that'll inspire people to like a revolution um he, he was so he was very interesting he sounds like a pretty modern guy to be honest like oh yeah modern um, communist just make memes about communism <laughs> until people get on board pretty much um he he was i believe I think I remember hearing that he was a medic in World War One. Okay, um, that's pretty dope. And I think after that, he wrote a play criticizing like the war and how it's all about like making money, and that was essentially what World War One was about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If if you you know do research on history, nothing. There was no good reason to go into World War One and to stay there. Um, and he was German, uh, so, you know, Germany didn't really like the fact that they were in World War One. Uh, no, they also really got the short end of the stick at the end. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, but... Because some Serbian guy shot some Austrian guy, and so somehow Germany... Germany got shit on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Yeah, he wrote uh, Mother Courage and Her Children, uh, which was about this this woman who just sells stuff to the military with her kids. And, uh, and, and it, it takes place like 400 years ago. Uh, okay. And she, she's just going like in a cart uh, with, her, with her three kids. Uh, and spoiler alert, uh, by the end... All the kids fucking die, and the mom's just like, "Well, fuck! At least I made some money." And uh, she's like, "I got, I, like, I gotta keep selling," and she just fucking carts on. Um, oof, that's, that's but yeah, rough. 
after oh. that, he wrote a lot of uh, his his famous stuff uh, when Germany was in its post World War One but pre Hitler days. I think it was called the okay. Weimar Republic, um, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So so Weimar Germany was just the fucking place to be, man. If you if you don't count all of the economic depression. Uh, there was a lot of economic depression, though. I don't know if you... Oh, yeah. I don't know if you can't... <laughs> if you can just discount all of that. There is a shit ton of it. But, yeah, um, basically, he he wrote his plays, uh, and all of them are um, meant to inspire social change. Uh, he wrote... I don't know if you've heard Three Penny Opera. I have not. Um, you might have heard of the song Mac the Knife. I have heard of it. Yes. Yeah. He was he was a lyricist for a couple of um operas, but I guess nowadays you'd call them musicals. He wrote uh the lyrics and uh Kurt Vile, who was another kind of interesting figure. He was he worked a lot with Brecht uh to make the music. But anyways, we ain't talking about Kurt Vile. We're talking about Bertie Brecht. Bertie B. Bertie B. We just like Bert. So now we're getting to uh the Hitler days. He fled Germany before uh World War Two. Right. Um smart move. And he made a play criticizing uh Hitler, like himself. And that play? Albert Einstein. Um, fuck off. <laughs> uh if oh, if it's peaked. okay with the rules, uh, I I'm gonna look up the uh, the name of the play. The Resistible Rise of Arturo Ui. Holy um, shit, that's a good name. If I remember correctly, it's about like a f- this bumbling like scrawny little fruit vendor, and that sounds like a great insult. Like you, yeah, bumbling scrawny little fruit vendor. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Get out of um, here, you scrawny little fruit vendor. But the, uh, fuck you. The, um, <laughs> the, the rival, like, fruit vendor's stand, I think, like, burns down on accident. And everyone, you know, thinks that Arturo did it. And they're like, oh, man, he's a badass. He's like a gangster. We should, like, get our, we should get our fruit from him. And yeah, total he ends up. It's pretty much Breaking Bad, essentially. It ends up with him oh, like okay. going going full Hitler, like he's got the mustache, he's got like the uniform, he's got the uh the haircut. Okay. And I think this this play was actually written um after after Hitler like died, after World War Two was over. And the last line is, is something along the lines of, like, this man is dead, but the bitch that bred him is still alive. Ooh. Yeah. That is cold-blooded. And it's not talking about Hitler's mom. It's talking about, like, you know, capitalism, imperialism, all that. But, like... Yeah, that's cool. He wasn't just, he wasn't just calling Mrs. Hitler a bitch. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he fled to the United States. Uh, and he lived there for quite some time now as i said before he was 
like an avid Marxist communist. Right. Uh, and after World War II, the U.S. wasn't so keen on communists. Wait, they weren't? Yeah, Vi, I don't know if you've heard, but there was this thing called the Red Scare. Ooh, I have heard of and... the Red Scare. That's um, yeah. when you sleep with a girl and then you wake up the next morning and she has her period. I'm cutting you. that out. Fuck that. I hate... No, keep that in, motherfucker. <laughs> We're keeping that in. Because that was gold. Notice by the amount that I'm not laughing. <laughs> so, yeah, the Red Scared hit, and Bertolt Brecht was just not shy at all about, like, his ideas. And the HUAC uh, brought him in for questioning. And they right. asked him all the questions, like, Mr. Brecht, like, have you been associated with the Communist Party in either Germany or the U.S. And uh, the hearing, I listened to it because you can just listen to those things because they're public record. And uh, it's fucking hilarious. There's a point where, like, he, he just he just fucks with them the entire time. <laughs> he's, just, he's just sitting there and, like, he's got his, you know, interpreter because he doesn't speak perfect english right but he right. he's he, he manages so there's there's times where he just like pretends that he can't speak english like at all uh there's there's a time where uh they straight up like say like uh hey brecht uh so you said these exact words in this magazine uh where you praise lenin and he's like they're like do you do you remember like that does that sound familiar to you and Brack just like looks him in the eyes and goes, "No," <laughs> and like so so, and everyone he... in the room just bursts out into laughter. <laughs> like so, um, he he basically pulled a Donald Trump, I guess. Um, but like, it was just it was so fucking funny. Uh, he he just he just bullshat his way through the entire um through the entire hearing. And I don't think any actual punishment came for Brecht. Uh, he, he wasn't even, he wasn't even blacklisted because I, I think he did fairly well, um, in both America and, Oh, so I think, so, so he got East away with Germany it cause he was a rich he, man. I don't even think he was, he wasn't like, that rich, I mean, not but they—they like, they were going like, after everyone back then. Uh, you gotta understand. Not like Carnegie or Rockefeller rich, but like could have been. Oh no, um, but he—he—he he, he made a living. Um, he uh, I—I think, I think his sports car actually came from East Germany, if I'm—if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Because he moved—he moved back to East Germany after that whole HUAC debacle. But I, I think you gotta understand is they were they were going after everyone in Hollywood yeah, essentially back yeah, then. Yeah, they were. They they went after fucking Charlie Chaplin and he was essentially a Had god. A Hitler mustache. Okay, fucking don't <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, he did, but Well yeah, he, he did. 
but he had it first, so fuck you. So Hitler had a Charlie Chaplin mustache. Hitler did have a Charlie Chaplin mustache, which I would imagine... I would imagine he did a Charlie Chaplin impression at least once in his fucking life. Like, oh. fun fact, by the way. Um, yeah? Hitler actually uh, had, like, a Stalin mustache back in World War One, and he had to cut it down so his face would fit in a gas mask without any, like, discomfort. So that's why he has... Really? Yeah, that's why he has, like, the short mustache. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's what I heard. It could be an urban legend, but it... Yeah. It sounds... It There's sounds a lot pretty of, legit. Like, there's a lot of like weird uh rumors about Hitler well, because yeah. anytime people would say something like unbelievable that he did uh he would be like yeah I totally did that because he wanted to sort of cement his place um as being sort of ordained by God to lead yeah. the, the third reich Well yeah um but the one thing that did survive uh that was embarrassing about Hitler was that he got he ball blown off he did yeah oh but anyways uh we're not talking about hitler because he yeah. wasn't he wasn't a well, thespian we, we were just talking we were just talking about hitler but now we're not he wasn't he wasn't a thespian uh we're talking about good old good old birdie b um good old so birdie b that's um, basically as much as I know about his actual, like, life, his personal life. Oh! Okay. Actually, I know one more thing. Yeah? He was, I believe, I believe he was open about it, but he was bisexual. Oh, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, he was, he had uh, a few affairs with both women and men, um, especially back in the Weimar days, because... Berlin, Germany, uh, during like the very early 30s and the 20s, was actually the most openly gay city in the world. Huh. And then it got all fucked up. Yeah, then it went real bad for... Yeah, it, it went very, very south for everyone there. Except for one group, but like... Okay, you know. um, so that's the end of what you have to talk about? Um, that's the end of his, his personal life. Oh, okay, damn. His, his ideas, um, I mean, it essentially boiled down to, um, I mean, political-wise, he was, he was a communist. Yep. Um, no, no question no, about it. I think he no even... No ifs, ands, or buts. I think he even spoke out against the authoritarianism in East Germany when it was communist. Um... So, you know, you know where he falls on the political spectrum. But where was, where was I going with this? I don't know. His ideas when it, oh yeah. His ideas when it came to theater actually pretty much revolutionized what theater is today. Basically, um, the, you have to understand that during the late 1800s and kind of early 1900s, the world in the theater world was all about realism 
Like, you have to make it as, as close to real life as possible. And there were people saying, like, if you, if you have a character cooking food, you have to actually cook the food on stage with, like, an operational stove and stuff. Uh, okay. And that wow. was naturalism. Yeah, um, it was it was getting intense, um, and then Bertolt Brecht just looked at that and he's like, "Fuck that! <laughs> We're not in like someone's house. There's no wall there. There's no fourth wall. We should acknowledge that. Yeah, this this place is a theater, and the story that we are seeing unfold is just a story. So." Okay. He had he had like a lot of his his ideas. Basically, um, he had lights exposed um, so that you could just see that yeah, the light on stage is just you know a mechanical light. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had basically a curtain that would. I don't know if this was true or if I if I remember it from something else, he had a curtain that only went up to, like, the the calf, or went what? down to the calf, okay. so that uh, when the curtain went down, you'd just you see a bunch of, like, feet shuffling. All yeah. of the people and, like, the stage hands moving stuff around. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of... He wanted... Oh, that's kind of He wanted cool. the audience... Yeah. He wanted the audience to be very aware that uh, they were just seeing a play... Uh, when he wrote characters, he wanted literally no one to be quote unquote relatable or likable. He, he just, he wanted it to be essentially satire. Oh, so he didn't want any of the characters to be likable or relatable. So, uh, what you're saying is you were written by Bertolt Brecht? Fuck off. (laughs) No, I'm not rich. Um, uh, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna break the fourth wall for a moment here. Um, okay. And say that uh, as we're recording, I'm looking at the the waveform in Audacity, and every time that I laugh, it's like such a uh, such a distinct pattern that shows up. Yes. I love it. You you have you have a very distinct laugh vibe. <laughs> Thank you. Um. No problem. All right, continue. But, but yes. Tell me more uh, about this fourth wall breaking machine. Oh yeah, essentially, um, he would have characters, basically, directly, you know, talk to the audience, pretty much. Like, okay. Basically, just looking out into the audience for no reason. His his dialogue was very, you know, sarcastic and you know cynical. For instance, his characters in Three Penny Opera, um, one person, the Peachum family, has a business of... He, he's basically a king of beggars, where he sends beggars out into the street, and he basically just collects all the money that the people give him. Okay. And that's his business. I mean, that sounds historically accurate. Oh yeah, it's yeah. what he tried to show you was that like, yeah, the bourgeoisie are all, you know, shitty. Like, if you find yourself relating to these people, stop. Like, <laughs> and he he's basically saying to the lower classes like, 
hey, these guys are assholes. We should do something about it. Yeah. And okay. there, when it comes to social change in theater, there's two ways of thinking. It's everything's shitty. Let's do something about it. And everything is shitty. Oh, well. So the activist and the George Carlin. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say that. Um, but I'd say George Carlin was, was much more activist because he, he pointed out like what was stupid specifically about like these, these politicians. That's true. He had, um, he had a lot of like good, uh, and very leftist ideology, but also Mm -hmm. was kind of just like, I just want to see this play out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. He, He was... He probably would have cheered when Trump was elected just because he was funny. Let's be real. Uh, yeah, basic. Like, I don't know, he he would have a lot of material. That's for sure. Oh yeah, good God! Comedians have been milking the Trump train for the past four years, I believe, yeah. since he announced his presidency. Pretty or his much run. Yeah. Um. Actually, yeah. But it was anyways, about four years. It was twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he essentially wanted alienation. He didn't want the audience to get sucked into the story of the play. Okay. He wanted, he wanted people to sit back, observe, and, and just kind of, you know, take it in and judge these characters for what they, they truly are, rather than you know, oh, this character's selfish, but I understand his plight and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So he, he wasn't so, big onto, into, like, the, anal- the over-analysis of characters. Um, no, not not very. Um, he wasn't... He wasn't very into nuance. Um, okay. Or nuanced characters, I should say. They were essentially one-dimensional and every character in all of Brecht is selfish. I like this guy. They're, they're just... Yeah, they're, they're just... Yeah, the his characters are just doing things for their own personal gain. Um, and most of the time, they don't care, you know, what happens a, as a result of it, as long as they, they get what they want. So, some of, some of the methods of... Uh, what he called the the A effect, the, which the, was actually the A effect, the A effect, just like uh, the letter A, alienation. Essentially. Okay, okay. Um, I think he called it the V effect because in German it's it starts with a V. Um, I don't know the up. exact I don't know the exact word, and I I don't care to fucking look it up. Um, but essentially some of the ways that he would go about doing this was he was very um, influenced hmm? it, alienation effect and from doing effect and from doing effect that that might not alienation that might be and from doing all right it might not be oh. a literal translation uh fremdung. i'm probably butchering I, that pronunciation but there you go. Yeah, I I have uh, no idea if that's right or wrong. Well, I, um, I googled it, so. Oh, gotcha. Um, I don't but, I don't know German. 
Me neither. I could ask one of uh, my German friends, which is just one. I don't know why I said one of. You you wanted so, people to think that you have more than one friend. I'm so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, he was very influenced by Chinese theater because he, he went to theater. China. Yes, okay. because Chinese theater is essentially the closest thing to Brecht besides Shakespeare. Okay, um, very matter-of-fact and yes, socially social commentary style stuff. I, I don't know if the Chinese have social commentary, but he, uh, he's just talking about the fact that they, they kind of alienate uh, the audience from the actual events in the play so they can just sit back and take in, take in the message. Okay. Um, but he, he went about certain ways of doing this, such as uh, title cards. Uh, and basically what those were was before each scene in one of his plays, someone would come out and just go, this is what's about to happen in the scene. And then just walk off and the scene would play out. That's... So before, like, a death scene in Mother Courage, someone would go out and just be like... This character yeah, this is, is what, about to die. Yeah, it's like, it's like, this is what happens, which leads to this character's death. And then walks off. So it's like, alright, so you know what's about to happen. It was essentially just spoilers, it's, like, during what's going on. It's, it's the, the theater equivalent of reading the manga before the anime. Fuck you. <laughs> you damn weeb. Fine. It's the theater equivalent of reading the book before the show comes out? I guess. I guess the, the equivalent would be if someone were standing in line to watch Harry Potter, or one of the Harry Potter movies, and uh, you just yell out, Snape kills Dumbledore. <laughs> or I guess a better analogy would be if the chapter if where Snape kills Dumbledore was titled Snape kills Dumbledore, <laughs> like, Holy... I guess that would be, that would have made the books so fucking good. <laughs> if each chapter, dis like, the title described what was going to happen. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, he, he was all about the alienation. This chapter is there titled... Sirius Black falls into a weird veil and dies. <laughs> yeah. The Harry Potter books Ugh. came out like 20 years ago. I'm not apologizing for that spoiler. Yeah, yeah. The movies were done like a decade ago. Like, I remember being in, what, middle school when the last movie came out? So I am not... Yeah. I'm not apologizing for Harry Potter spoilers. I'm not apologizing like I'm for not... Harry Potter. Yeah. If anything, J.K. Rowling should apologize for Harry Potter. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, um, I think we're, I have... We're gonna get hate mail for fucking... From, so from all six of our listeners. Yeah, I was gonna be like, it's fine, no one fucking listens to us, Vi. Like, we're golden. <laughs> um, the, there's one more thing. Uh, and this is the thing. part that, this is actually the part that I did uh, a report on. Okay. Uh, essentially in, I believe, 
the 30s, he wrote uh, an opera with Kurt Weill called uh, Mahagoni. Okay. Um, and it was about this town. I. It doesn't matter the plot. But essentially, uh, he wrote an article titled, The Modern Theater is the Epic Theater. And that was, that was his theater's name, the Epic Theater. Okay. Because he wanted it to be kind of... Not Greek, but something something like that. Um, okay. In a sense, he wanted to tell, you know, epics uh, rather than just meaningless plays. He said that essentially theater's main purpose should be to teach. It should be didactic. Um, it should be to but to what? To teach. To teach. To be what yes. was the word you used? didactic didactic yes okay that's that's a word that they drilled into our heads in theater school basically uh he called what was at the time modern theater he called it culinary as in you're not main you're not really using it for its main purpose you're just you're just kind of looking to be entertained and that's it so culinary in the sense of like a five-star restaurant giving you one piece of lobster that's like a square inch in size and like there's sauce drizzled around it on the plate in like a fancy way instead of actually just giving you a meal food yes okay that that's actually putting it you know perfectly he said that the substance of theater should be to teach and okay. it's it's fine if it it's fine if it also entertains yeah so so what we would now call entertaining so now what we would now call edutainment edutainment i guess which um, is what we're doing so this is a brechtian yeah. podcast i guess um everyone <laughs> everyone is aware that it is a podcast they are not getting involved in our personal lives um i broke the I, i'd wall say a few minutes yeah, ago yeah there's there's fourth wall breaks. I'm using a microphone. I am also using is, a microphone. And that microphone is clearly visible to me. So I guess, yeah, it's it's pretty Brechtian. But the reason that he is my favorite guy in theater, besides his, his ideas uh, politically and the fact that he was also a queer man right. that looked ugly as fuck. Which you can is, relate to on a personal level. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Vi. Uh, I really, I really, really needed to hear that. Nolan, okay. shut up. You're like a six, six and a half. That's, that's above average. I will take yeah. that. Okay, the reason that I love him so much is because his ideas with theater have revolutionized the way we see theater now. Basically, any theater with like a fourth wall break or clearly visible lights can be described as Brechtian. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's most theaters, isn't it? Yeah, um, pretty much. Um, Some theaters do it out of necessity. Some theaters do it to, you know, kind of pay homage if, if they're, you know, run by people who, who have like a passion for, for Brecht, they will, Yeah. They will make it kind of a kind of bare bones minimum a kind of theater. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah. 
it's a neat little um, I, um yeah i think that's all i have for brecht all right should we do a fun fact or answer a question yeah let's uh uh well I have not actually read uh, what they sent, what uh, our friends have sent. Uh, I posted on Facebook um, at the start of this recording, uh, and I've also got your old post pulled up, which I'm actually going to save that oh, post. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So let, let me yeah. tell you a fun fact, Nolan. Okay. In Switzerland, it is illegal to own just one guinea pig. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's all or nothing. I don't think you have to own all guinea pigs in Switzerland. All or nothing, Vi. You can't have just one. It's like Lay's potato chips. Please sponsor <laughs> us, Lay's. I need money. Oh my god. Lay's Lay's will never sponsor us. It'll be Pringles. Now that you've said Okay, fair. Pringles is Pringles is pretty good. Except for those last few Pringles when you reach in and like you gotta stick your whole arm in there. Yeah, well, yeah. And and that all that's left down there is just a couple of crumbs. Like, it's basically just destroyed by the weight of the rest of the Pringles. No, it doesn't get destroyed by the weight of the rest of the Pringles. It's Sh- gotta shut be... up, shut up. It, it's, it's destroyed it's from, by the weight of the Pringles. It's shaking around. I know, but like... I like to think that there's just so many Pringles packed into that one can that, like, it just crushes the bottom. Um, I want to so, be that rich to have so that big of a Pringle can. So in Switzerland, it's legal to own just one guinea pig. Okay. I'd imagine, what, the the one gets lonely or something? I think that's the case. Um, I think guinea pigs are social animals. Okay, but I'm like, why is it specifically guinea pigs? Was going to be my next question. Why is it specifically guinea? I don't know. Like, if can you own more than can you own just one like hamster or something that's like can you Maybe. own one pig? Are pigs also social animals? I don't know. Now that They're I just think related about it, to guinea pigs. It's weird that most people own one dog because dogs yeah. are obviously a pack animal. Well, yeah. But I mean, obviously, you wouldn't own fifty dogs, so. Oh, fucking try me. I will own 50 dogs once I have the money. Oh, man. That is um, my life's goal, Vi. All right, I'm, I'm going to read uh, I'm gonna read either a fact or a question. Okay. Oh, read me friends, this fact or question. Our friends actually uh, sent in a, uh, a 25 flower ask. Okay. These are... Oh, no. Were you ever interested in Greek mythology? Okay, let's turn this from a science slash theater podcast into a philosophy podcast. Oh dear God, what are we does, doing? Does true love exist? I'm gonna go with yes, but not the romanticized version of it. Well, yeah, exactly. You're gonna have. You know, this is now a relationship advice podcast. Uh, you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have your quarrels and your yeah. your fights, but well, I mean, ideally I... you wouldn't. Well, I mean, yeah, ideally you wouldn't. I've been but... in a relationship for two and a half years and I've never fought. Hmm. Good on you. Yeah, keep I, that I going. I think the big thing is is communication. Well, yeah, you gotta um... you gotta communicate, and if you ever do get into a fight, you have to communicate. You know, calmly. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to ask Let's you see. one of these questions. Okay. Uh, have you had your first kiss? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course I had my first fucking kiss. I'm 22. Oh my god. Not that it's not that it's wrong to not have your first kiss no. before 22. Take Just, your time. You don't need to yeah. ever have a first kiss if you don't want but, to. But I reckon but I've it. been kissing I've, is pretty cool. Yeah, kissing is pretty cool. Um, but <laughs> I've done it. I've done it with like I've done it with like two people. Uh, 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 <laughs> no. uh, Threven. Threven. <laughs> Threven people. It's my it's my new number. <laughs> they had to invent a new one because they kissed so many people. <laughs> um, um. Okay, I'll I'll ask you a legitimate question. Yeah, ask um, me a real goddamn question. <laughs> I asked you, is true is love you? real? And you ask me, have you had your first kiss? <laughs> Um, oh, and it's your what name, is, too. Okay, Bye. fuck off. Uh, what is your favorite mythical creature? Oh, fuck, okay. Um, I know what mine is. Well, I mean, uh, okay. Do monsters count as mythical creatures? Yes. Okay, then you already know the answer. Do I? Just it, take a wild guess. Is take it a wild the Mothman? Guess. No, but Mothman does have a great ass. <laughs> I should know. Mothman he sucked is my really dick behind an Arby's. <laughs> sucked my dick. But uh, I am really into vampires and vampire lore, actually. Oh, that's lame. Oh, fuck you! That's so basic. Vampires. Okay, okay, okay. Another one of my favorites is I used to have this uh, big book of monsters in all kinds of folklore and popular culture. Mm -hmm. um, one of the monsters was, like, Voldemort and, like... But... What I was really interested in uh, were a couple of monsters from folklore around, like, the UK. Okay. Specifically, there is there is a Scottish monster. Oh, no. Uh, called... Are you about to say the one that I have in mind? <laughs> say its name. It's called a man in a sheep field. Uh, okay, it's not the same but, one. Please continue. But no, 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 no. Uh, it's called the Nukalavi. Damn it! Fuck! Oh, that's okay, my favorite. Okay, well... I love the That's your favorite? Yeah. It's like my second favorite. Oh, it's yeah. so if, cool. If you don't count vampires as like a whole, Nukalavi is like my favorite. Can can I uh, can I describe yeah. it? Yeah, you, you can talk about it. Okay, so it is said to be like a, a man on a horse, except the man's torso is sort of fused into the horse's body, but there's still a horse's head, you know? And that's not all. Um, it has really long arms... Mm -hmm. And like a a big wide mouth with like rows of teeth. Oh fuck yeah, I love it. And I only learned about this through fucking Ruby. And I think it's uh, but it's, it's skinless on... as well. Yes. like it doesn't have any skin. It, it has no skin, and I think the only way to escape from it is said to be to cross a stream of fresh water. Yes, yeah. uh, it it thrives in I believe salt water. It's it's mainly in salt water and uh, and it can obviously go on land. It's a damn horse, um, but if you if you cross uh, any sort of fresh water, it hates fresh water. Yeah. Another another thing about the Nukalavi, uh, its breath is able to kill. It is. Yes. Huh. I don't. Re I didn't yeah. remember that. I think. It might not have been in Ruby, but in the in the folklore no. book, yeah, I in mean, the folklore book that I read, um, 
it it said something about like its breath being able to you know kill yeah the monster in ruby is just is heavily based off of it and is also called a nukalavi but it's okay. not like it's not like the same exact yeah. like getting all this stuff right yeah i i get it it's like the the monsters from uh what is it fucking uh well either supernatural or the adventure zone amnesty yeah like how yeah. the mothman's just a guy sitting in well i mean he is the mothman still but well yeah he he's legit the mothman it's like how you know vampires don't like suck blood or anything or exist that. oh there's vampires in there the uh oh, i thought you meant in real life oh well well yeah <laughs> they don't exist in real life either well I wish they did why they're okay you look, wouldn't want look. a nice suave vampire to to come to your house and offer you all the power in the world no dude, and I've or sexual JoJo's favors adventure. i know how that shit ends i he i don't abil- oh wait, i've watched well, helsing I I and i know that. that i watched helsing and i know how that ends and that's by being a a badass you know vampire okay um should we should we read off some should more we, or? should we get an actual like question from a listener or i guess yeah. one of our friends yeah we don't have anyone listening right now so we have one question uh okay on my post from our friend uh who asks what is your favorite pokemon and why is it stunfisk okay um so i have don't to... get mad at me i i know who this is uh don't get mad at me i have to look up what stunfisk is. i also had to look up stunfisk it's sort of like a flounder stunfisk weaknesses oh my god it's so cute he's like a flounder okay. he's got a brown body yeah. and a yellow tail yeah. and weird i love him derpy beak lips he's flat he's okay he's he's now like one of if not my favorite now that i've seen him because <laughs> he looks so doofy he does. He's flat. He's got like those big eyes, and he. Oh my god. Okay. The our that listener, that listener has good taste in Pokemon. Yes. And and that listener knows all of the Pokemon. Yeah. There's too many. There's too many Pokemon. There's too many goddamn Pokemon. What do you think of uh, the fact that you can't get all of the Pokemon in the new upcoming games? What I think. Um, well, because uh, my girlfriend Keisha and I are, uh, we have a Switch together, um, yep. and uh, we are getting Sun and Moon, or not not Sun and Moon. Wow. That's, that's I didn't the, know they were releasing TV. those on the Switch. Fuck you. We're getting <laughs> Sword and Shield. I'm getting Pokemon Gun, personally. Pokemon, Pokemon <laughs> Bomb. What do you think the third one Pokemon is going to be? Pokemon Nuke. Pokemon Nuke? Pokemon Intercontinental Ballistic Missile? <laughs> um, but uh, where was I going before we went very off track? Uh, uh, you and your girlfriend oh, yeah, both okay. have switches, and yes. you're getting some, uh, sword and shield. We don't even both have switches. We share a switch. Oh, that's right. It's like, a, it's like our child. It's my week with the switch now. So... After this, I'm probably gonna gonna play some uh, Mario Odyssey or something like that. But um, what I think they should do, it's 
it's fine if if you can't you know get all the Pokemon in uh, in that game, but I think they should explain it Alternate so that universe. like so that it makes sense. Like, oh no, poachers came and they killed off <laughs> four hundred species of Pokemon. Six hundred species of Pokemon have been hunted to extinction. Now you can never finish the Pokedex. <laughs> Oh Holy no! Shit, oh my Damn god! Damn it, Team Rocket, you did it! <laughs> that should be the next team. Oh my god! They should just be like men without even like Pokemon, just like big ass elephant guns. <laughs> and they should, they should, their goal should be hunting all of Pokemon to extinction. And then you have to stop them by zapping them with your little electric mouse. Uh, I think you mean with your Stunfisk, because it's the best Pokemon. Okay, fair. But wait, is Stunfisk being included? Oh no. Did those bastards kill Stunfisk? (laughs) I have to... We we have to... Okay, we we won't find out until... Until we get Sword and Shield, which species are being knocked off? Unless they've already made that announcement um, or are going I to make that announcement. I think it's going to be the new Galar region Pokedex. You can obviously get all of those. Well, and I well think, yeah. I think the, uh, <laughs> no, the original no 151. Oh, pr- probably. I personally I mean, like it because I don't want to spend 800 hours in a game catching a thousand goddamn Pokemon. Yeah, I've I've never completed the Pokedex in Yeah. And I any, certainly I certainly Pokemon don't want to interact with other people to get the Pokémon that aren't in the region. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that that a lot of people are angry about is that like, oh, you could do it with all of the other games. Why not this one? But like there's because... over a fucking thousand. <laughs> Seriously, do you need a thousand virtual pets? It, it, it like, holy okay. shit! Anyone that At listens like... to this episode is just going to just shut off their computer forever and throw it Probably. in a dumpster. I mean, we've we've shit talked. I've shit talked Harry Potter. You've shit talked The Office. I shit talked now... The Office and Harry Potter. You shit talked Harry Potter. Uh, yeah, we're both shit talking Pokemon fans. Well, yeah. Oh, by the way, the entire Pokemon fandom is on fire right now. Yeah. But anyways, uh, to our listener, thank you for uh, for that question. Um, we uh, we love Stunfisk now. We love Stunfisk, best Pokemon. Um, I if those I bastards already, with the elephant guns. I've already taken out my two DS uh, with Moon and fucking caught 30 of them Uh, yeah i'm so pumped about stunfisk if team i i think i know i think i know what that team name should be for those guys with the elephant guns that are just shooting all the pokemon with with real shotguns go for it team fud team fud oh my yeah and if team fud fucks with one stunfisk let alone them all I will personally go into the game and murder them all. So that's going to do it for us today yeah. on Alchemy Hour. 
<laughs> thank you for listening thank you to so much um, for listening our fucking nonsense next time on alchemy hour i will talk to you about something i don't know what and yet. what a something that will be thank you for listening to alchemy hour i have been vi and i have still been nolan miles if you have any suggestions for a topic or questions or fun facts, you can send them to alchemyhourpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, I have an email for this. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Or you can send them to at alchemyhourcast on Twitter. Hey. hey. We're moving on up in the world. Got our own at. Thank you all for, lis- for listening, and have a nice day. Goodbye. Wear your seatbelt.